Um, I wanted to, to update you guys on a couple things really quick before we get started today. Um, one thing is uh, <clears throat> many of you know that we have been kind of uh, partners in ministry, especially in light of what we just watched with, uh, with missions with um, Pastor Andrei Derienko from God's Church in Yaroslav, Russia. He's been here a few times. In fact, he's planning on making a trip and a visit here in mid-February and uh, be speaking to us and all that. Um, I wanted to, to let you guys know of something so that you can be praying about it. Uh, his, um, he has four daughters and his third daughter who just got married about a month ago, a little over a month ago, was in a bad car crash yesterday. We got notice of that and uh, her husband passed away and, her, uh, and she's in an induced coma. So, um, so they, they really, are, they asked just for prayer for, from you as a church and that we would just be um, interceding for, for her and that God would raise her up. They're, they're praying for a miracle. And, um, and so Pastor Jeff is actually gonna be leaving this afternoon, this evening, to go fly over to be with the family. Um, like I said, we've been, we've been, they've been friends of New Life for two decades and friends of Pastor Jeff and Daryl Lynn for, for that long as well. And so can we just pray for them right now? That'd be awesome. Join with me. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity that we've had to be able to partner with Pastor Andrei Derienko and his family in the ministry of planting churches in Russia. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity that we've had. But right now, we pray for him as a dad. Uh, we, we, just, we pray right now for his daughter, Annabella, um, that is, uh, it doesn't look good for her right now. But Lord, we know that you are in the healing business. And so we, we know that she needs a miracle. So that's what we're asking for. We're asking that you would raise her up. To, uh, to newness of life. And so, Lord, we thank you that, uh, that you do work on our behalf, that you want um, to give good gifts to your children. So, Jesus, we, we pray for a good report. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, secondly, this is kind of off topic and stuff, but like next week, I don't, I don't want you to miss, uh, we're having our Vision Sunday. And uh, we, we've been doing this now for about three years. And it's essentially an opportunity, kind of like what we just did in missions, where we look back on, on 2019, what God did and what he has been doing and where we're headed and, and where we're going. And so um, the theme for this year is Heart for the House. And we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things. But one of the things that I just kind of want to prepare you for is, um, I don't know if you noticed, but um, we, we really need to do some work on our parking lot. Do you, anybody? You, sir, you noticed? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, and so we, we, I'm going to be talking about that, putting that out there. Um, and we, we kind of have a plan for a campaign to, to raise some money to be able to, uh, to do those repairs so that you don't have to get a, a front-end alignment after coming to, G to church. Amen. <laughs> you know, Jesus does a spiritual alignment and then you got to go and get a, a front end alignment done every single week. And so um, just, I just want you to be aware of that. We're excited about that. But um, anyway, so don't miss next week for our, our third annual Vision Sunday. Um, okay. Well, we've been stuck or I've been stuck in the 1980s now for three weeks and you're stuck in it because, well, I'm talking about them. And so um, I've been talking about the popular 1980s retorts that, uh, that we kind of learned that I grew up as a kid in the 80s. The first one was, uh, we talked about two weeks ago, was if somebody says something to you that's offensive and you don't like it, um, then you just look at them in the eye and you just say, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. And we'd say that and that was it, man. That solved so many problems. It averted so many crises 
um, it, it, was, it was just, it solved so many things that the person just be sitting there like, ah, oh, you got me again. You know, it was, it was amazing. Um, the other one that we talked about the past couple weeks is this is if, you know, if somebody is uh, trying to tell you what to do then, uh, and you want them to, to, to cut it out, then you just look at them and you say, you're not the boss of me. There were variations that we said, like, you're not my mom, you're not my dad, you're not my uncle, you're not my grandma, you're not my king, you're not my God, you're not my boss. Those were things that we would say in the 80s. I know nobody says these things anymore, but um, uh, we'd say, you're not the boss of me. Today, I have a new one for you, and um, I've, been, I've been racking my brain all week. Uh, this was one thing that we would say when, when people were, like, butting into your business. You ever have somebody who, like, sticks their nose in an area of your life that you're like, hey, 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 get out of this, right? Like, you're butting into my business. What you do is you look at someone right in the eye and you just say, mind your own beeswax. <laughs> Does anyone remember this? Okay. I, there were variations of this too. We would say, none of your beeswax. You'd get that little head nod going, right? <laughs> and there was, a, there was a contraction of it that I want you to repeat with me. I'm going to say it for you so that you, you get it. And it would go like this, none your beeswax. Nanya, Nanya beeswax. Okay, so can you say it with me? One, two, three. Nanya beeswax. Good job. You're an 80s kid already. This is awesome. Okay, Nanya beeswax. This essentially meant that's none of your business. Mind your own business, or MYOB. Mind your own beeswax. And um, I don't think anyone ever understood why we said the word beeswax. I certainly didn't. I had no idea what we were talking about. And so, um, I looked it up on Google, and come to find out, Google doesn't even know why we said it either. <laughs> There's this story, so I'm going to share it with you because I think it's so funny. There's this story, it's a popular story, it goes like this. In the late 18th and early 19th century, um, women who had like pockmarks from the smallpox virus used to use beeswax to cover up and to fill the holes and to make their complexion nice and smooth. And so if you got too close to a woman back then, um, or you were staring intently at her face, she would turn to you and say, mind your own beeswax. In other words, stop looking at mine. <laughs> mind your own. You know, I don't think it's actually true, but I thought it was kind of funny anyway. Um, either way, this whole idea of mind your own beeswax kind of gets to the heart of how many of us view the role of other people in our life. Just mind your own beeswax. That's my beeswax. I'll mind mine. You mind yours. Don't mind mine, and I won't mind yours. And this isn't a new idea. This isn't like, it didn't start in the 80s, and it certainly didn't carry forth into 2020. This is something like way, 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 way back it began. We can even look back to like the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, there's these, the two sons of Adam and Eve, right? You've heard of these st the story, Cain and Abel, right? These two, these two boys. Um, Cain gets offended with Abel. He gets jealous of Abel. Why? Because they both bring their gifts to God, and, and God shows favor on Abel, and he doesn't show favor um, on, on Cain's gift. And so Cain gets all in a hissy, and, uh, and, and, and he gets all offended. And, and we pick it up in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. It says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And this is his reply. I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> am, am, am I, am, well, I don't know. Is that, what's, is, that, is that my beeswax? I don't know. 
Am I, am I supposed to be my brother's ba- am I my babysitter? Am I, am I his keeper? And this question is the question that echoes in our cultural sentiment even today. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. Now, here's, here's the thing. We, we don't say that anymore. Like, we don't say, like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? We say things, well, we did in the 80s, like, I don't know. Is that any of my beeswax? Or we say things like, well, who am I to judge? Or my favorite, you do you. You do you. <laughs> and everybody older than, than 20 is like, oh, my goodness, I hate that one, right? You do you. you. I'll do me. You do you. Just do, you don't, don't bother me, and I won't bother you. I won't get in your business, and you, you stay out of my beeswax, right? Now, the problem that we run into with this, okay? Let me, just, let me just put it out there plainly. The problem that we run into is that we take a look at, okay, well, this happened in Genesis chapter 4 of Cain and Abel, and then we also look at, you know, comparing it to our current cultural sentiment of, like, this is, this is how we look at, at other people and their role in our lives. The problem that we run into is that we are relating to a, a boy who just murdered his own brother. <laughs> so there's that. I don't know. Am I, am I my brother's keeper? Well, is, am, I, am I beeswax? It's interesting that in our cultural sentiment, we can relate to a, a boy who just murdered his own brother. So the past two weeks, we've been talking about like standing up to sin, and I was giving you like the 1980s re- retort, like sin, you're not the boss of me. And some of you guys, I've already talked to a bunch of you guys like this past couple weeks, you're like, man, that is awesome. I've been like, before I even get up, I'm like, sin, you're not the boss of me, right? You know, you're like, start yelling at yourself, and you're like, no, I'm not going to say yes to that which I want to say no to, and no, I don't have to act like I have to keep doing the sin that I have been doing sin. You're, you're, you're not the boss of me. But he- here's the problem that we run into is that there are, what I find is that there are many times where I don't see myself or my sin very clearly. Let me, let me explain. There are areas of my life that I know, man, I'm a hot mess over in this area, and I, I know that I need to be saying sin, you're not the boss of me. But then there's other areas of my life where I don't know what I don't know. Like, I know that I don't know. You ever been there where you're like, man, there's something going on. Like, there's this chaos in this relationship or there's, there's this issue that I just, I know something's wrong, but I know that I don't know. And so I want to say, like, sin, you're not the boss of me, but I can't even, t- I don't know what I'm speaking to or what, I'm, what needs to change. Why? Because we have blind spots. Like, there are areas of our life that are very clear, and then there are areas of our life that I'm like, man, I just, I know that I don't know. I want to say you're not the boss of me, but I don't know who the boss is, who I'm even speaking to, or what, what needs to look differently, which is why we need other people to help mind our beeswax. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert for what we're going to talk about today, because this. I'm going to probably step in your toe, maybe, maybe jam your, your, your toe a few times, but here's, here's what we're going to talk about. In fact, I would argue that minding your brother's beeswax and allowing other people to mind your beeswax is one of the most crucial ways that we grow, that we mature, and that we get unstuck in areas of our life that we don't know what we don't know. 
So there are areas where it's like, man, I want freedom. We all want freedom, right? No one wants to be slave to sin. Nobody's like, yeah, I just woke up. I just, I'm so happy being a slave to sin, doing things I don't want to do and not doing things I do want to do. And like, I, no, nobody's happy with that. But there are areas that you're just kind of like, man, I, I don't know how to get free from this area. That's why we need other people in our life. And, and in fact, what I would say is not doing this, not allowing other people to mind our beeswax and minding other people's beeswax can, can actually harm you and indirectly harm other people. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to get into a scripture today. And um, we're going to read like five verses. And Jesus is going to be like, like, blow your minds. Because there are going to be things that you agree with, and there are going to be things that you're going to be like, um, I don't know about that, Jesus. I don't know if I necessarily agree with what you're saying here. The first verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, um, sounds a whole lot like, mind your own beeswax. This is how it says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. This is quite possibly the most quoted scripture of non-Christians to Christians. And usually... It's quoted in some sort of like King James English. You know, judge not lest ye be judged. Isn't that what your Bible says, right? Lest ye be, you know, all of a sudden we're like, I, I don't know. Like we get all King James all of a sudden. Judge not lest ye be judged. And Jesus, so I just want to lay this out. Jesus begins this whole discourse on judging and judgment and all these things, talking about the one thing that like he despised the most. If you want to get Jesus jacked up about something, you can look throughout the, the New Testament. Be a self-righteous hypocrite. That will get him flipping tables any day of the week, right? He, that's what he hated about the Pharisees. He couldn't stand it about them. Why? Because they were self-righteous hypocrites. How do we know that? Because he called them that. He was act, that would be nice if he was just like, y'all are very self-righteous hypocrites. No, he was like, you brood of vipers, you're a bunch of snakes, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. That's Jesus' words, not mine. So that's kind of how we get a gauge as to whether Jesus liked that or didn't like that, because he didn't, and it was very clear. He, he calls them all kinds of names. Why does he hate it? Because, if you're taking notes today, these are some of your fill-ins. Like, because self-righteousness will lead you to use yourself as the standard of judgment. Self-righteousness will lead you to use yourself as the standard of judgment. Let me read it for you in verse 2. We're going to keep, keep going down in Matthew chapter 7. Don't, don't lose me. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use... It will be measured to you. So, when we use ourselves as the standard by which we judge others, this is what essentially we do. We essentially decrease or minimize God's holiness and magnify our own. So what we end up doing, in order to be a self-righteous hypocrite, if you're kind of wondering, how do I do that? This is how you do it. You, you minimize God's holiness so that you can reach it. And then you maximize the view of yourself and your own opinion of your own holiness so that you can look down on everybody else. That's kind of self-righteous. That's like, that's, that's how you do it. If you're kind of wondering, like, how, I really like to do that. How, how, how do I do that? You dumb down God's holiness so that you can reach it, so that you can look at yourself higher than you really are, so that you can look down on other people. 
That's kind of self-righteous hypocrisy. Self-righteousness will also lead you to do the second thing, to judge someone, to judge someone because they sin differently than you. <laughs> now, because it's really tempting. It's really tempting for me to judge someone else's sin more harshly than an area that I'm tempted in. Because I look at you and the areas that you're tempted in, and I'm like, man, that is so vile and gross and disgusting. I don't know how in the world you could be tempted in that, right? Why? Because the stuff that I'm tempted in, man, that's just like common. That's, I mean, I got a few issues, maybe a couple struggles, right? But you are a sicko. Like, how in the world could you even think about sinning in that area? How in the world would you even be tempted in that? Why? Because it's very easy for me to point out your faults and not deal with mine. It's very easy for me to see the stuff that you deal with that's different than mine is much more vile and disgusting and gross than the stuff that I, I deal with. I mean, like, mine is just kind of common stuff, a few little hiccups along the way, but it's far easier for me to judge someone harshly and a sin that that I don't necessarily struggle with. The second thing that I, that I see there is that sometimes self-righteousness leads us to judge someone who is sinning in an area that God just freed us from. This is where I'm going to step on some of your toes. What ends up happening, if we're not careful, I'm just, I'm just outlining self-righteousness to us. If we're not careful... God frees us from, now, I mean, you've been, you've been struggling with this sin for 20 years, but God freed you from it last week, right? And all of a sudden now, don't you find yourself having very little mercy for somebody that's currently struggling with that which you were just freed from? I, I, man, I, I, I look at someone, get over it, come on, you can't get over this sin, what in the world? You know, well, well, you've been struggling with it for 20 years. You just finally got over it. You just find, God finally gave you victory in this. But we look at other people that are currently struggling with that which we just overcame and have very little mercy or patience to see them in the place that they're in. And if we're really honest, it has much more to do with us than it does with them. If we're really honest, there's probably a little tinge of jealousy. Why? Why would there be jealousy? Well, because they're actually doing what you used to do and they seem to enjoy it still. And not only do they enjoy it, this is the kicker. They seem to be getting away with it, and that's not fair. Right? And so, whoa, I mean, it'd be, what, what in the world? Like, I, 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 I'm fine. I want, I'm, I'm so glad that God freed me from this, but why in the world is that person still getting away with it? And we find this. It, it, here's, the, here's the kind of sick underbelly of self-righteousness. We find this. When um, maybe you've met a Christian like this a, that is a little too excited about hell. Like, let me, let me explain this. Like when you start talking about hell, they light up. <laughs> They're like the person that would come to the pastor and say, Pastor, you know, you really need to start talking about the unquenching fires of hell more. Because people need to know the internal temperature and just how painful it's going to be. You ever met somebody like that? Like, you never met somebody like that? Well, here's the, here's the thing. It's kind of like, it's a little sick because it's like, you know you're not going to hell, but you know a few people who are. And it helps you sleep at night to know they're not going to get away with it. Right? They may look like they're having all kinds of fun. 
right? But you know at the end of days, the fire's hot. And there's like this weird thing, like, like why in the world would we be that excited about hell? But what I find sometimes is that the easiest things for us to condemn are the very things that we struggle with the most. And so it's much easier for me to look at you and be like, you, yeah, you, you're sick. Oh, yeah, man, you're messed up and you need to fix this and do that or do that. Because why? Hell is hot. Because at the end of the day, something's going to happen. Right? And now, what I, if we isolate these first two verses, all right, Matthew chapter 7, like I said, we're going to walk down through this. These first two verses, if we're going to isolate these two verses, essentially we could say and walk away with this, Mind your own beeswax. Judge not, lest you be judged. But the measure you measure other people, you, you're going to be measured to that. The, the, the measure you judge, you're going to be judged, all that kind of stuff. In other words, mind your own beeswax. And we can all walk away and be like, yeah, yes, I agree with this. Now, the problem is, is that Jesus doesn't stop there. The problem is that he, he, he continues. So he follows up with essentially a clarification, catch this, of how to judge well. It's, this is where it starts to get messy because when we take this scripture, not just as, as, as verse one, judge not lest ye be judged. If we take this whole scripture in its entirety, just these five verses, this scripture is not a prohibition on judging. It's actually a warning against being judgmental. It's a warning for you as a, as a Christ follower against being judgmental, and it's also a teaching on how to love people well. So, verse 3, he continues. We know this, this is the whole log speck thing. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, the log, in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time, there is a plank in your own eye. Now, I want you to notice something right off the bat. Let, let, let's look at what Jesus says and what he doesn't say. Notice this. It is okay to notice someone else's blind spot. He doesn't say it's not okay. It is okay to care for a person and see something that in them that they don't see. He does not come after us for saying, you should ignore the, the speck in somebody else's eye. That shouldn't even be, you should never even look. You should just be, he doesn't say that. He says, it's okay for you to do that. Jesus doesn't tell us to ignore the speck in other people's eyes. But this is what he does. Number one, he does tell us to deal with our own beeswax first. That's what he says. Deal with your own beeswax first if he was in the 1980s. Why? Why would he say that? Why would he say, take the, speck, take, the, take the log out of your own eye first? Because you may not be viewing people clearly. You may not see them. Because it's, it's try, I, I, I try and I try and I try as I read through Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, I try to just, God, just tell me what to do and not do. Tell me what to say and not to say. Tell me, tell me where to go and not to go. Give me the, the, the rules and the parameters. Give me the commandments. Give me the guardrails. And in time after time after time, if you're reading the word of God, he continually reminds us that it is always and always will be about the heart. It's 
always about the heart. Well, God, you just tell me who I can judge and who I can't judge. If you could just tell me what I can say and what I can't say. What, how's too far and not far enough? You could just give me those parameters. And he's like, you know, it is always about your heart. We read in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It is so important for us to forgive, for us to keep a short list, for us to repent quickly. So Jesus essentially is like, okay, you know, take the log out of your, out of your own eye, and then you can go and, and help them get the speck out of your brother's eye. So, so maybe you're asking, okay, Justin, like, what if, I, what if I do have a log? What if I got a log in my own eye? Maybe, maybe I don't realize it, but what, what, if there's a, what if there's a secret sin in my life? What if, there's, what if there's just a sin that I just don't want to deal with in my life? What, is that, what does this scripture mean for me? And this is what I would say to you. If you are unwilling to deal with your private sin, then you better be very careful about pointing out other people's public sin. It doesn't say don't do it. it just, I'm just telling you, if you're going to read the Word of God for what the Word of God says, if you're going to read what Jesus is trying to communicate, you, if you're unwilling to deal with your own private sin, you better be very careful about pointing out other people's public sins. Because Jesus doesn't stop there. I mean, he starts, I don't know, he starts calling us hypocrites. I mean, I'm not, not me, you. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, verse 5, catch this. He doesn't even know me. He doesn't even know you. And he's like, you hypocrite. Whoa, chill out, dude. You hypocrite. And then he says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Why is he getting so stirred up? He doesn't know you. He doesn't, he doesn't know me. And yet he is all getting all hot about this. Why? Because the cause of Christ suffers due to people who proclaim the name of Jesus, whether from a pulpit or from a soapbox, and then deny him by their lifestyle. Because the cause of Christ suffers. That, listen, the world is sick of men and women who denounce other people's sins publicly and yet are unwilling to deal with their own sins. This is the heartbeat of what Christ is trying to communicate here. Because I think that if we were to be completely honest, it's far easier for me to focus on your problems than it is for me to deal with mine. Far easier. Because we're very quick to point out the faults of others and very slow to point out our own, to point out our own, our own faults. I heard this quote. I, I love it. I, I'm not saying it's theologically correct. I just, I just, I just like the quote. If you don't deal with your demons, they go into the cellar of your soul and lift weights. Like I said, it's not theologically correct. <laughs> Let me say it again for you. If you don't deal with your demons, they go into the cellar of your soul and lift weights. Isn't that true? I mean, I'm not saying it's true, true. I'm not saying you got demons that are all jacked, right? I'm just saying like... If you don't deal with your stuff first, they, they, it just grows. And in fact, it may be even more disguised. You just got a whole bunch of guys down there pumping weight in your basement, eating your Fritos, and playing your Xbox, and you don't want to deal, you don't want to talk about, oh, I'm, getting, oh, I'm starting to get a little close now. And, 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 and I don't want to have to actually deal with the stuff that I need to deal with. And when we don't, they go into the cellar of our soul 
to pump some iron and become bigger than they were in the beginning. <laughs> All right, I'll move on. I want you to notice something. In verse 5, You'll catch it right here. He says, you hypocrite. We can all forgive him for that. He doesn't know you. Okay. He says, you hypocrite. And then he says this word. Catch this. What's that word? First. Isn't that interesting? Now, this is just grammar 101, right? You don't ever put a first unless you are going to say something that is second or third or fourthly or fifthly or whatever, right? You don't just be like, yeah, first of all. And then not have anything to follow it up with, right? That's just awkward and weird and everyone's wondering what you're following it up with. So he says this. He says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Take the plank. In other words, deal with your own stuff. Mind your own beeswax. Okay, we get that. Now, what's the second thing? Now, this is what kind of screws us up a little bit. And then secondly, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. <laughs> Hold up. I was with him through like verse 1 through verse 5a. Like, mind your own business, judge not, lest ye be judged. And the measure of which I judge others, I'll be judged. And I'm just going to mind my own business. You mind your beeswax, I'll mind my beeswax. Everything's all good. Yeah, everybody out there should take the log out of their own stinking eyes and lay off me and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden 5B comes up and you're like, uh, wait, wait, Jesus, what, what are you doing here, dude? Like took a left turn. He, he all of a sudden makes this big connection between you and other people around you. Now, we've been, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks now, and I've been using this to kind of describe that, you know, in Adam, this is how we're born. We're born into sin because we're born into Adam. So what is true of Adam is true of you. And then when we are immersed into Christ, when we make him our Lord and our Savior, then what is true of Jesus is, is true of us. And it's this amazing transformation that happens that he frees us from the power of sin that we can say, sin, you're not the boss of me, right? This whole amazing thing. Now, <clears throat> the problem is this. This isn't what it really looks like. Like, yeah, sin, you're not the boss of me. But the problem is, is that it's not just about you and Jesus. It's not just about you and you becoming a better version of yourself, becoming a better person. And the problem is you got a bunch of these weirdos around you that are a part of this thing as well. So, so there's the, the, the body of Christ, this family of God that we're talking about, is actually full of people of different ages and socioeconomic backgrounds and races and colors and, and, and political persuasions. We got, we got a Trump supporter rubbing up against someone who's watching, seeing, and just waiting for that. I mean, like, and, and so we got all these people. It's like, how could they be together? One's got to be over here and I can be in here, right? No, no. In fact, you're all in the same boat. You're all sinners saved by grace. You're all in this place where it's like, man, I just don't understand. I, like, I don't really have much in common with him. It's okay because you didn't get to choose family. But, but let's, not, let's not think that following Jesus means that you get to walk alone. In fact, following Jesus means that you got to walk with a whole bunch of people that, that look different than you and talk different than you and think different than you. And, and they're trying to 
they're on different walks in, in their journey, and yet you have to walk alongside them. In fact, what, what we're going to communicate here and what Jesus is communicating in Matthew chapter 7 is that you need them. I don't think I need him. <laughs> Fine. But, but you, and they need you. For what? What do you mean they need me? They need you to mind their beeswax. And you need them to mind your beeswax. This is the beauty of what Christ is communicating to us. That you are not supposed to just be about you and Jesus so that you become a better version of yourself, so that you find victory void of anybody else in your life. That it's just, I go, I meet Jesus at the beach. I meet Jesus in the mountains. I meet Jesus all by myself. I meet Jesus in my prayer room. That you're a part of a family. That, that you don't get to just kind of like go and be in a vacuum all by yourself. And this is where it gets really stinky. This is where it gets really hard. This is where it's like, man, I just, this is where all of a sudden we diverge and we're like, yeah, Jesus, I was up with you until then. And now I feel like you're kind of going off the rails here. Essentially what he's communicating that it isn't simply about leaving people alone and not judging them. And who am I to judge? And am I going to mind their own? My, they should mind their beeswax and I'll mind mine. This isn't just about becoming a better person so I can compare myself to those around me that are hot messes so that I can feel better about myself. That's self-righteousness. What is Jesus saying? It all comes down to one word in verse 5. Pull it up with me. Verse 5. He says this, First, take the plank out of your own eye, and second, then you will see. Now there's this word. It's kind of, it's a modifier. It's this. You will see what? Clearly. You will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Clearly. I can see clearly now the plank is gone. You want to sing it? I can see clearly now the plank is gone. Come on. I can see all I've... Now, come on. Y'all just listening to me? I can't sing, right? Y'all going to be thinking, I want you to be singing that this week, right? I can see all obstacles in my... Like, whatever you got to do, okay? Just jam it out, okay? But here's the reality. The only way you see people clearly is to pull the plank out of your eye. So this is pressure treated so I could get very, very injured. Okay. So here's the thing. We walk around with a plank in our own eye. Now here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You're like, well, it's not a big deal because I don't see it. I mean, you guys see it, but I, I can't really see this thing. Um, the problem is, is that when you walk around with a plank that you're unwilling to address, the plank that you're unwilling to remove, the plank that you're unwilling to say, okay, this may be a problem in my life. The problem is that you have to keep, just by, just by sheer having a plank sticking out of your face, you have to keep people at plank's length. You realize that? Like, I can't even, even if I try, I'm like, hey, I... I think you got something I can help you with. I can't even get close enough, nor can anybody else get close enough to me. I could be wiping people out just walking around here. I, I can't get close enough to you to be able to care for you, to love you. The only thing I can do is when I keep you at plank's length is to judge you from afar. 
I think, excuse me, ma'am, I think you've got a little something. If you could come up here. Oh, oops, sorry. Watch out for this. <laughs> if you could just come up a little bit closer. I, 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 I want to help you. The problem is, is that when you've got a plank in your own eye, you have to keep them at plank's length. And you never are able to truly love somebody, care for them, and clearly see them. Why? Because they never get close enough for you to hear them cry. Yeah, but I can preach the truth and I can, I can tell them where they're going to go and it's going to be hot, right? I can tell them all these things, but the reality is I can never get close enough to see them clearly to truly love them the way that Christ loves me. And the only way is to remove that plank from our own eye. It's about getting and getting to a place where we're not just sizing people up and writing them off, but that we're getting to a place where we see them clearly so that we can appropriately come alongside them, get close enough to hug them and walk with them through this thing that we call faith, through this thing that we call life. Not judging them, but loving them the way that God loves you. In fact, what I'm going to say is here, these, these five verses that Jesus just says in Matthew chapter 7 communicate the gospel you think about it, God could have sized you up and written you off. God could, have sent, God could have sized you up and sent you to hell for many, many reasons, right? No, no problem. In fact, we read this in John chapter 3, verse 16, the other very quotable verse other than judge not. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want you to grasp this. It was God's love for us that would not allow himself to mind his own beeswax. You catch this? Listen, it was God's, and I'm going to say it, it was God's judgment over you that caused him to come from heaven to send his one and only son to make a way where there was no way. He had everything he could to just sit back in judgment and say, you know what? They deserve it. I'm going to... I, I, I have the power to just, to just size them up and write them off, size them up and walk away. And yet, what did he do? He made a way. It was his judgment over you that caused him to act. It was his judgment over you that caused him to love you. It was his judgment over you that caused him to do what he didn't have to do. Why? Because he wanted to see you free. So please don't miss this. When when he says, do not judge, it does not mean do not care. And it does not mean do not act. In fact, maybe what is required of us is to love people and to judge people the way that God judges us. Maybe it's our judgment of others that should cause us to have a, a broken heart. And to act and to love and to go out of our way and to make a way, to find a way where there seems to be no way. So that we can come close to, re- to, re- to remove that, that log that's in our own eye so that we can cl- get close enough to love someone. There's this Christian saying, I, I don't hear it very often anymore, we used to say it all the time. And it went like this, <clears throat> love the sinner, hate the sin. We used to say that all the time, remember that? That was like a, that was kind of the hoo-hoo-hoo-rah, right? It's kind of how we, we kind of just got this whole thing figured out. This is how I, I love people and, and yet not condone sin. I always thought it sounded great 
but it was incredibly impractical because I was like, how in the world am I supposed to separate someone and their behavior? How, like, I'm just being honest with you. Like, how in the world am I supposed to, like, you know, take these two things that seem to be inexorably tied together and separate them and see them two as two separate things that I can, I can love the sinner and yet still hate sin and, 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 and hate the sin that is plaguing them. And, and I used to struggle with this until I realized that I was doing this actually really well when it came to one person, myself. <laughs> in fact, I actually have no problem hating the sin that plagues me in my life and yet still loving me. Like I, in fact, that's part of the reason why I hate sin so much. Because not just that it like offends God, but it, it ruins me. And I hate to see that happen to a good guy like me. I mean, come on, like, I still can love me and hate the sin that is, that is plaguing me, the things that I'm struggling with. And I hate to see that happen to someone like you. So my question is, what would it look like if we were to truly judge others the way that God judges me? What would it look like if I were to choose to deal with my own beeswax first, so that I can leverage what God is doing in my life to help others, to benefit others? What would that look like if I choose to, if my judgment wasn't judgmental, but rather it caused me to come off of my chair and to care and to act and to love and to go into an awkward conversation to love somebody enough to bring the freedom that God has done in my life to other people. Why don't you stand with me? There's, um, so t today's life group kickoff, and this is, I'm going to do a quick little unabashed plug for life groups. Um, I'd love for every single one of you guys to be involved in a life group. I'd love for you to join. I'd love for you to be a part of them. We've got a whole bunch of different offerings, young adults and and all kinds of, of, of things that you can get connected to, men's groups and women's groups and stuff like that. Um, and, and so here's what, I, here's what I know. I know maybe half of you guys are saying, yeah, I'm all good. I don't need that. I don't have time. Um, I don't really, that's, that's not my gig. That's not my deal. Um, and, 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 and that's okay. Here's what I want you to just consider. Just consider this question. What if it wasn't about you? What if God bringing freedom in your life wasn't the end goal? What do you mean? Of course it's the end goal. What if God brings freedom in our life so that you can leverage what he's doing in your life to bring freedom in the life of others, to walk alongside somebody else who's struggling with the very same thing that you struggled with What if it's not about you? What if it's living out this reality of allowing others to mind my beeswax while I mind the beeswax of other people? Not in a judgmental way, but in a way that I just love you so stinking much that I'm willing to wade into the awkwardness to love you the way God loves me. And that's, that, uh, that's tricky. 
And let's face it, we haven't seen it done that well sometimes, have we? You're like, yeah, that sounds really dangerous, Pastor Justin. Oh, it is. And many people have just walked away. I don't necessarily know if I want to be a part of that. Now, here's the thing. As we talk about this, there's three different audiences in here. There's probably more, but I'm a preacher, so I like three. <clears throat> three different audiences. Here's what I ask you to do. As I talk about these three different audiences as we close today, I just want you to consider, ask the Lord, God, is, there an, is, this, is, this, is this where I'm at? Is there something in me that needs to be addressed? So the first audience, as we talk about Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, the first audience are those who size people up and write them off. I mean, that's, it's what we said about self-righteousness. And I know it's probably not as ugly as, as kind of how I purported it and all that, but the reality is, it's like it, you, you find yourself that your initial reaction towards people is judgment, judgment and, and, it, and, and, you, and you struggle with that. But it's, if we really boil it down, it's self-righteousness and it's what drove Jesus crazy. He couldn't stand it. As we diminished the holiness of God and jacked ourselves up to look better than we really are. And if that's your initial reaction, I'm, this isn't, I'm not being judgmental. <laughs> if, this is, if that's where you're at, you know what? You're, and that's a reality. Like there's an ugly part in every single one of our hearts, right? There's a place where God's like, I'm wanting to remove that. I'm wanting to free you up from this area. If that's where you're at, you may have never come face to face with your own sinfulness like, if, if we really boil it down, if the sin of other people doesn't break your heart, it may be because your heart has never been broken over your own sin. It's not, uh, here's the thing. So what do I do, Pastor Justin? That sounds kind of harsh. Repent. <laughs> well, I've got to do this and this and this. I've got to follow the, no, 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 no. Jesus just says repent. Repent of the sin of self-righteousness. Is that all I got to do? Yes, and start walking it out. So maybe for you today, if you're like, yeah, you know what? That is me. I, I, that's where I struggle. I just want to encourage you. Maybe your next step is to repent today. Maybe for some of you, you're like, you know what? I need, to, I need to truly give my heart to the Lord today. I need to be confronted with the reality of my own sin and my own need for a Savior in my own life. Maybe that, that's the first audience. The second audience is this, those who size people up and walk away. What do I mean by this? Like you judge, you judge people and you don't write them off, but you walk away and refuse to help them. And so we've bought the lie of this kind of cultural sentiment that we live in, that other people's business is none of your beeswax. Like who, who, who am I to judge? And so in fear of losing a relationship, we keep everything so shallow that it never goes anywhere. Well, I don't want to, I don't know, if I, if I say something about this, then I'm just, I don't know, they could get mad or we could not be friends anymore. So I'm just going to keep, is it really friendship? I'm just going to keep it where it's at and I, I'm not going to say anything about it. We're just going to keep it super shallow and, and pointless as a, as, a, as a friend. And so maybe, maybe you pray for them, but maybe you've been using prayer as a replacement for a conversation. I know that's not easy. I'm not saying it is. I'm, I'm just pushing you in a direction. Say like, if we're gonna honor what it is that Jesus is telling us here, then sometimes it's our responsibility 
to love someone enough to have an awkward conversation. Because nobody's sitting around at home just being like, man, I had nothing better to do today. So I just, I met with a friend, had a really awkward conversation. I wrote three letters and yeah, just, yeah, just love awkwardness. No, 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 nobody goes out of their way to do this. These are the things that we drag our feet on and be like, you know what, maybe someone else will do it. Will you do it? Could you have that conversation? I don't want to have that. Could, could you just do that thing? Or yeah, you know what, maybe it'll take care of itself. And it never does. And it never does in many things in life. But Jesus says, clearly teaches us, your brothers and your sisters are your business. We can't get away from it. Like that confronting people you love about an issue, about something that you're concerned about is not insensitive. It's actually what love requires of you is that love does not size people up and, and walk away. So what do you need to do? You need to confront in love. Have those, that awkward conversation you just know you've been needing to have for a long, and man, you're just like, Pastor Justin, are you seriously talking about this right now? I just made the decision. I was just going to pray for them. And you're totally screwing it up. Come on, we can all laugh because it's true. Now, now here's, a, here's, a third, here's a third audience. The third audience is, and this is the tough one, and this is the one where if I'm going to offend you, you're going to get offended here, so I'm just going to warn you about that. This is, this, is, this is the group of people that have been sized up and have refused to listen because, because nobody does it right. You know that? I mean, like, it's always messy when you have these hard conversations. It's always awkward. And so maybe somebody came to you because they truly love you, not because they had nothing better to do on a Saturday morning than to call you up and say, hey, can we go out to breakfast because I got something I want to talk to you about. They weren't that bored, okay? But they came to you and you immediately went on this judge not, lest ye be judged train. Like, I, 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 I get, mind your own beeswax. Stay, stay, stay out of my stuff. And yet, and yet afterwards, you're like, man, I just... You just know in your heart, you know that there's something there. You know that there's some truth. You know that they, they didn't just call you up to address this relationship or something that for no reason whatsoever. And yet sometimes we use the messiness and the awkwardness and, and the wrongness of how they even went about it to excuse the fact that we don't need to listen to them. Because sometimes God's word, I've said this before, comes in crappy packages. No offense to those of you who are crappy packages. Because the reality is sometimes that rap job we love and we're trying to do the right thing and here's what we're trying to do and it comes out wrong and it's like, oh my gosh, ah, I shouldn't have done it. I should have, should have, would have, could have, never should have done this. And, and it just makes it worse. And I, I, see, this is why I don't get, this is why I mind my own beeswax and I don't mind other people's. And we get into this place where, where we don't have, actually ever want to go there again. Don't allow the imperfect way that somebody else went about it to excuse you for why you don't have to listen. So what do you need to do if you're in that place? Maybe you're like, yeah, I may be there. I don't want to admit it, but I'm there. You just need to listen. <laughs> allow them to be able to, because they love you, share in your life. Now, as we end today, I just, I just be, be between you and God, as you look at these three things, uh, this is anybody else, it's just you and God. Th those three things, I'm just going to read those off, just between you and him, 
And you want to raise your hand and just say, you know what, God, I'm hearing you right now. This is something that I know that you need to deal with. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm ready and willing to, to, to just acknowledge it today. The first group is the, perp who, the, the group who, who size people up and write them off. Like you just know that, that this, is, this is an area where God's just wanting you to just address in your life. And you find it, it's coming up with your sister and it's coming up, it's coming up with your mother-in-law and it's, com- and it's coming up and you just don't want it anymore, but it just keeps creeping up. Between you and God, just simply just raise your hand and say, God, I know this is something that you're, you're speaking to me about and I don't want it in my life anymore and I repent of it. I repent of it, Jesus. I don't need it and I don't want it. The second one is those who size people up and walk away. Maybe you just know that there's, I can tell from the awkward laughter in here that there are a few of you, maybe two, that you know that you got to have an awkward conversation with somebody that you're refusing to have. If that's for you, I just want you to raise your hand and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear. I just know it. There's two people, really? Okay. Glad you're all being very honest. The third one is this, those who have been sized up but refused to listen. Maybe you've had this messiness of, you just know that God's speaking to you about something. I just, just between you and him, just say, God, I hear you speaking to me, and I know that I, that I need to hear, you, to hear you more. Now, I just want to encourage you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal the next step for each and every single one of us, whether it's to have a hard conversation, whether it's to repent, whether it's to just listen and to allow ourselves to hear the advice of someone that loves us enough to confront us. God, we thank you for the body of Christ, even though they're stinking messy and sometimes mine don't mind their own business and I don't like it. I know that my beeswax is theirs and I am my brother's keeper. I refuse to relate to Cain, who killed his own brother. I treasure the fact that you place us in a family, that you place us in a church, you place us in a life group, you place us with friendships that love us enough to see us grow. So God, we lift your name high in this place all around. Maybe today as we sing, if you've got an area of your life, you just know, maybe you want to come up here. Maybe you've got to come to a place of repentance. Maybe you've got to come to a place of just saying, you know what, I am I'm choosing this day and I'm making a, a, a conscious effort as I walk out of my seat to say, I'm going to have that conversation. I'm going, to, I'm going to write that letter. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to love that person. Whatever that looks like for you, I just want to encourage you. If you've got a prayer need in any area of your life, I just want to encourage you to come up along the sides over here. On the, on the corners over here. Um, over here, um, I just want to, uh, we got a word right before worship was over that um, somebody, if you've got, I think it was your right shoulder. Was it a right shoulder? Where is it? Any shoulder? I don't, where's Kathy? Is Kathy Proto here? Was it a right shoulder or any shoulder? Right? Okay. Right. <laughs> Is it right? If you got, if you if you need prayer for your right shoulder, um, Kathy just feels like she got a word for that. So if you want to go right over there in that corner, she'll meet you over there during during prayer time to pray for that. Um, but Lord, we just thank you. We lift your name high. We lift you up. We believe that you are the promise keeper. We believe that you are our healer. We believe that you are more than enough. We believe that you placed us in a family as imperfect as that may be. And, and we don't just rely on the Holy Spirit in us to communicate to us. We believe that you use people in our life. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship, church.